There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. We're giving away the secrets to our method of digitally and physically finding big bucks on public ground. This mini-series is powered by Onyx, and we deep dive into what we look for on a map, how we scout it in person, and what pins we use to help us effectively hunt deer. This is Public Pins. So today we are talking about fence crossings because it's a really big thing in the whitetail world, especially if you're hunting public land. When you hunt public land, you're trying to find a place where you have a good odds of encountering a whitetail that you would like to shoot, right? So Tyler, (laughs) what is a fence crossing? Casey, I have been scouting deer for the last five days, Uh and my wires in my brain are crossed right now. Are they? Is that the same thing? (laughs) Uh, Sometimes it is, (laughs) because the wires get crossed up, and that's one of the places you find fence crossings. That's right. You know what? A lot of times, um, a landowner will do that, I think, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but let's just talk about what a fence crossing is. Um, It's, you know, if you're, it's pretty pretty uh, easy to understand i think for most of us most of you probably already know what i'm about to say but this is an area or a spot in particular where deer are crossing a fence and it could be for any situation really it could be to uh to go to eat to go to uh go to bed to just get from one property to another as they move uh a deer has the ability to jump over a fence very easy but there are particular things that make uh a deer prefer a spot on a fence and that's what we're talking about deer are some of the laziest most athletic things you'll ever see Mm -hmm. and that's what makes fence crossings a thing i played with a few of those guys in college too (laughs) so can we just call them deer too (laughs) i'd imagine i would imagine so they uh that's really what makes fence crossings and being able to find particular ones a thing i think is the deer's laziness why else do they exist um 
I mean, deer have to cross a fence, or, well, let's back up. They don't have to cross a fence, but if a deer wants to leave a property that is fenced, they have to cross the fence. There's lots of fences these days, Lots of fences, I think I used to like a Radney Foster, maybe Pat Green song. I think it had a lyric in it uh, that talked about... um, yeah, they ruined my prey when they strung all them fences or something along that line. I'm trying to remember the exact lyrics. But mm. essentially, this uh, this landscape of America didn't have fences uh, at one point, and now they are everywhere. You are a free grazer. <laughs> there was a movie. What was that movie? I can't remember. It was a, uh, Open Range. It's one of my dad's favorites. It's kind of about that. And there was this guy on there who's kind of the antagonist who has a... Uh, kind of an accent, and he says, free grazers, or something like that, you know, talking about guys who don't like fences. But, yeah. yeah uh, so so they, anytime that a deer needs to cross a fence uh, or to get off of a property mm-hmm. for any reason that's fenced is a re- another reason why a fence crossing would exist. So essentially. Some, some places don't have particular fence crossings. Particular. Particular. Huh? Yeah, that's right. We've been in Illinois, so it's particular. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, some places do, yeah. and we're going to talk about how to identify that on the map and then what you actually find when you get there. Yeah, so what what um, what situation do you like to hunt a fence crossing? I like to hunt fence crossings. It's going to depend morning and evening uh, some, but uh, I... Um, like to hunt kind of a bed to feed pattern on fence crossings mm-hmm. i also like to hunt a rut scenario on fence crossings okay i don't really want to hunt a fence crossing as much in early october unless there is some food very close mm-hmm. um but that's kind of what i think is that kind Do of you, what you think yeah i think so um i, I think of them a lot in a bed to feed pattern because mm-hmm. you're going to have um in a lot of areas you're going to have cattle at least some of the areas we hunt there's cattle grazing on you know graze land creek bottom whatever it might be and then you've got on the high land you've got uh, crops that the deer are moving to or some kind of agriculture that they're moving to so i, I think of it that way does do, does how like if you were to rank a fence crossing in the whole gamut of public land hot spots and public land pens where does that rank on a scale of 1 to 10, probably? Somewhere in the 3 or 4 range, I really? imagine. So it's a little bit lower? Yeah, in, well, in, I think that, preference. like, you talk about creek crossings mm-hmm. are really a top one for me. I think creek horns are a top one for me. And then, of course, there's the normal stuff like food sources and stuff like that. So I think underneath that right there is kind of where fence crossings I think it's a pretty big deal. I got you. For sure. Uh, but it's probably not the top one. I got you. So... Yeah. Do you why why is it not preferential preferential for you? Oh, I would, uh, did you, were you saying ten being the best or one being yeah, the best? Yeah, ten. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking. I always think of one as being the best. Do you? I was just telling you, we were mixed up on that because I'm thinking of uh, the University of Alabama ending the season at number one in in the the football world. So I'm thinking of fence crossing as being in that spot and the A and M spot right there at number four. Okay. Okay. So yeah. it's it's high for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's high. Okay. Yeah. So I I got you now. Yeah. So why why is it so high? You're talking about I'm talking about a place you're gonna sit. Yeah. This is yeah. a this is a high spot for you. For yeah. Fence I'd crossing. Say, I'd say for sure. Got you. So um, why does that rank that high? Because uh, deer are lazy, mm-hmm. and you have to find a place that they're moving to kill them most of the time, unless you can sit up on a deer's bed, which is pretty difficult where we live and hunt a lot. Maybe in the Midwest it's a little bit easier to do, and we've kind of shown that a little bit. But 
um, I'm usually trying to hunt deer that are on the move. And I think that finding a spot that they can cross a fence a little bit easier gives you a pretty good indicator that you will have a higher concentration of deer in that spot than you will in a spot where they are not crossing the fence. Yeah. As I think we look at this a lot from a bow hunter's perspective. Yeah. And so we have to, uh, a lot of times our spots may rank a little different than somebody who's a gun hunter because we have to get within 20 or 30 yards of a deer to, mm-hmm. to get it killed. And I think fence crossing kind of brings that into into perspective and brings everything into a narrow spot for a bow hunter to actually get a shot at a deer. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're talking about it's ranking in that three or four position, mm-hmm. which apparently is where A&M is always at. <laughs> it's better than 25. <laughs> <laughs> is it? I, uh, I'm not sure. If this is a three or four, mm-hmm. what takes precedence over a fence crossing for you? Uh, a lot of times. Yeah, uh, Obviously, the situations are secondary different. Secondary creek crossings, okay. food sources, and creek horns are probably going to be... Well, so you'd hunt at the food source? Well, hunting around the food source. Some, I got you. I mean, I, that's... Yeah, it's, there's it's a lot of variables. A whole podcast. A lot yeah. of variables. And, right? I mean, like scrapes in certain situations, you know, you, gotta, you can always yeah, yeah. give a reason why something else is better, but it's all going to... But if you just said, in general, I think that... Throughout the season. Throughout the season... I think that uh, fence, fence, fence crossings are pretty high. Cool. Up there. So yeah. okay. So let's let's talk about how you'd go about finding a fence crossing on the map. Well, you have to have a keen eye. Do you? But not the peninsula. <laughs> Is this joke happening every it's time in every one of these episodes? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I think it, that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're going to do is zoom in really far on your Onyx map and look at property boundaries or fence rows you can identify that are within public land parcels and find trails. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can even do a thing, kind of do it backwards where you find like agriculture fields that are on private land and then look around those fields and look for the trails that come into those fields. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how you're going to find fence crossings. And you can a lot of times, we actually did a video on this, you can you can really see a network or a web of trails on a piece of public land that's kind of maybe heavier, thicker habitat. Mm-hmm. And you can see all those flow, like the Miss, like all the tributaries of the Mississippi, they all kind of come into the river before it hits the ocean. It's the mm-hmm. same kind of thing with a lot of these fence crossings on the map. You can find a trail on public and trace it all the way down to yeah. some fence crossing somewhere. And I think we, you know, KC and I hunt about 95% public land, but we do, we have no qualms about private land hunting. It's just, just what we have the opportunity. Just need more of it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I need more places Need to more hunt. access on <laughs> private, you know. But I think that, uh, so, you know, when he says public, it could also be that, um, you know, a private landowner has a piece of CRP grass next, or, you know, a piece of CRP property um, next to a cornfield or something like that too, so you can actually you know use this to scout uh, that that uh, CRP the trails that go through that grass mm-hmm. um, and see where they neck down to go into. So it's not always just a public private situation. You can you can see this anywhere that you can find an ag field, right? Yeah. Or if you're you know hunting a CRP field, then you just look at where they all end up or whatever. But yes, you know, exactly. However you want to look at it, essentially it's like a, that's a good example is that um, it's like the Mississippi. You know, even the big tribs to the Mississippi 
have a network of creeks and other rivers that come into them before mm-hmm. they hit the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Yeah. So whenever you actually get on the ground after you've identified this, Tyler, what does what does that actually look like when you find a fence crossing? Um, you're going to find usually in a lot of situations you're going to find a couple different things, and and this is why the fence crossing is there. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples why they tend to exist. One, um, if you have, say, a private landowner that's hunting next to that uh, public or that you know grassland habitat or whatever we're talking about here that, that you have the opportunity to hunt, they will twist the wire, the top two wires, and stick them together because they want to create a fence crossing. So literally, you're talking a four-inch difference in the rest of the barbed wire mm-hmm. in this particular spot that causes deer to, like you said, be... A, you know, take advantage of their laziness and their athleticism to uh, only have to jump 50 inches as opposed to 54 inches or whatever it might yeah. be, you know. Um, I think another example would be where a tree falls on a fence mm-hmm. and knocks the fence down. Um, a lot of times you also could have an old fence that is rusted and has uh, broken either by cattle pushing on it or, or whatever and you've just got these gaps that deer can walk through right and then mm. there's also a situation where uh, that you might have where there's a gate mm. um, that is just an open gate mm-hmm. or also even a lot of times uh, uh, deer will cross a fence say there's a, a draw that runs into that ag field or I guess technically it would run like out of that ag field down into the creek system you're hunting mm-hmm. um, in that draw may be the only trees that touch that fence so they might go through right there yeah um, you know near the, near the trees yeah it's not always because the fence is low yeah they, but quite often I was thinking about this while ago a lot of times like we hunt riparian areas and there's fences that run all the way down to the creek sometimes the deer just like to travel the creeks mm-hmm. so the crossing is going to be near, near the, the creek, creek. Yeah. the same thing goes for like a public private interface like say you have um you know some type of um, concentrated food source like a feeder or maybe somebody has a food plot that's pretty close to a you know fence line those deer are, are also going to use their laziness not because the fence is lower but because they cross at the exact spot that that fence is the closest to that yeah, food source. taking the shortest route there. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I think, for me, a couple of things that I, I look for when I get to the fence crossing as a bow hunter is the opportunity to shoot a deer on that trail from a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't find that, I mean, there's a way to brush in blinds a lot of times. A lot of times those fence line in certain parts of the country will, uh, a lot of the country, they'll grow you know, vegetation that you can hide in along the fence line. Um, some parts of the country, there may be tumbleweeds or other things that blow up against the fence line that create some kind of a, a natural blind that you could make. Uh, but I'm definitely looking at, can I kill a deer there really close to that fence crossing? Because the further you get from the, the fence crossing, the more tributaries you got, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you get away from that fence crossing and all of a sudden a deer comes from, 70 yards and joins into that trail and you're hunting the trail that's 70 yards from there so it's like you missed your opportunity there with a bow so th- those are a couple of things i'm looking for is there anything else that you're looking for once you get there on the ground that 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 you need to think about um in a, in regards to hunting or scouting that area yeah um i think you covered it pretty good i would always say that about anything that we discuss here you have to think wind directions for mm-hmm. as well because uh, you might be sitting up on this trail and uh, be thinking, oh, man, they're going to just come right through here. But if your wind is blowing 
to that spot, that's not going to be go well for you, right? You got to make sure that you kind of catalog in your mind what wind directions this place will be good for, and you know what time of day the deer are going to be moving through there, and so on and so forth. Okay, so you you find it on the map, you visit it, and you look at look around. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to put some pins down. What That's are you right. going to do there? Well, I would assume that you're going to go to this place and it's already going to have a white X on it because mm-hmm. uh, I established that for me, I rank things from one to 10, one being the top. So these are like, you know, three or four spots, which means they're pretty good. Every mm-hmm. time I find one, I mark it and I'm excited about it. Right? It's a number so, one. Yeah. It's it's a it's a primary spot. Right? Yeah. So what, what we do is use white for white hot. And we'll mark that X right there, drop a pin on one of these that we found while we're doing our map scouting. And then you walk up, and then you can establish if it's a place that you do feel good about hunting or not. And a lot of times I will change that to either um, if it's a hole in the fence, I'll usually mark it as a trail. Mm-hmm. If it's a crossing where they're jumping, I'll usually use the crossing marker. Is that what you usually do? Uh, I usually just use crossing, I okay. think. Mm-hmm. Um I think, like, uh, if it's a crossing, a creek crossing or a fence crossing, I use the crossing uh, insignia there yeah. or whatever. That's uh, the that's kind of what I icon. use typically, the icon. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, what I would what I would do probably is when I track back down that trail towards the spider web or mm-hmm. the the feeder, you know, system there mm-hmm. of uh, trails. I would find another couple of main trails a lot of times, and mm-hmm. I'd mark those those trails on the map, you know, as trails, obviously. Yeah. Um, and just that way I know, like, a couple of different places that I think most of the deer are coming mm-hmm. from, you know. Because sometimes you can see, you know, you might be able to see six or seven trails coming into the main stem where everything uh, goes across the fence. And it from the map, it all looks kind of about like a good trail. And then you get on the ground and you go, oh, well, there's two of them that are really beat in you know mm-hmm. so you're like okay well that that explains where these deer are coming from what they're doing and and then you can work back from there if you happen to want to not hunt a fence crossing yeah. um because you know of daylight activity reasons or whatever it might be so i've also gotten to the point now where i take a picture of almost every pin that i drop mm-hmm. nowadays um like i'll include that photo in the in the pin because it's just nice to be able to go back and and, uh, you know, if you're laying in bed one night and you're looking back at the stuff that you've already cataloged, it's instead of saying, oh, there was a fence crossing there, you can look and sometimes that picture of like that hole in the goat wire or that, you know, twisted top wire kind of gives you really a, a way to remember what that spot really set up like. Yeah. So I would like to throw out this disclaimer or this thing to bring to your attention. Different states have different regulations when it comes to hunting a public-private boundary. Mm -hmm. So you may encounter a situation where you have to stay 30 feet or 50 yards or whatever it might be off of that boundary. So be sure you check your state regulations before you just go out there and hang a stand right on a fence line. Do you think the states are actually trying to make it hard on us, or what's the reason for this? Man, I feel like government in, gen- <laughs> in general is trying to make it hard on us, so that's a, that's a different podcast, too. Yeah, yeah, probably on a completely different platform. <laughs> that's right. So anyway, I think that covers, for the most part, fence crossings. If you guys have any questions, if there's anything we didn't answer, feel free to send us a a message on any social media platform. Uh, you can also comment here on uh, 
particular podcasts um, on Podbean, or you can, if you listen through the Apple Podcasts app, you could you could uh, essentially give us a review, and we'd appreciate that as well. Um, there is also a way to email us, so you can go to our website, theelementwild.com. And with all that said, we appreciate you guys listening. If you're into this kind of stuff and feel like you need more, you can check out our Map Scout Challenge series on YouTube. These are the most comprehensive scouting videos on the internet. Make sure and subscribe while you're there. And also remember, this is your element. Living it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.